At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is Nina Perez, and this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Thank you so much for being here. I created this show for you, finding the best humans on the planet to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. Let's do this. Today, I found Mandy Capehart here, and she's the author of Restorative Grief, Embracing Your Losses Without Losing Ourselves. I love that title, Mandy. That's amazing. Mm. She's a speaker, she's a certified grief and life coach, and the founder of Restorative Grief Project, an online community of grievers and grief supporters looking for movement while they heal. I love that. I can't wait to get into this conversation with you, Mandy. Welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. And I loved your intro video. I was like, ooh, yes, I understand exactly what we're doing. It was good. (laughs) Thank you. So um, the way I like to start the episode off is I always just ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and then we just take off from there. So tell us a little bit about Mandy. Okay. Well, Mandy in third person today is (laughs) extremely intentional in all that she does. So I try really hard to be mindful and present in all the things that I'm doing. And it really led me down this path of many different careers into grief work when the pandemic started in the U S so after a long time losing people kind of left and right and experiencing a lot of loss events in my life in 2016, my mom died and it was right after my grandfather had passed away and we had really lost a lot of, I mean, we'd lost a lot of family and friends up until then, but obviously those two were pretty significant for me. And as I worked through it in the four years between that event and pandemic shutdown, I, recognize there was a lot of opportunity for our world to do better when it comes to grief and grievers and being grief supporters. So the work that I generated during the pandemic came out of being let go and having more of my own grief events. Like I like to say that the pandemic really took the focus of everyone's sympathy and empathy off of me and our miscarriages and loss of jobs and all the other Mm -hmm. things and put it on everybody else Mm -hmm. because I have to, you know, we, we laugh to give the crying a break sometimes. Yeah. That's what I, what I think. So anyhow, 
uh, yeah, it really transformed into this powerful small community online and this ability to show up for people who want to be grief supporters but don't know how to do so without causing additional harm or how to equip grievers to guard themselves, create healthy boundaries that are helpful for both themselves and the people around them as they work their way through grief, which is mm-hmm. ongoing. Yeah, it is. You know, it's really powerful, Mandy. Um, so if you don't mind, I would like to touch a little bit on that. Like, I think that, you know, it's one thing to grieve. It's another thing to take it to a place where you're trying to help grievers, right? Yeah. And so I want to know that that transition for you, like what, what hurt you or what did you feel lacking, right? Mm-hmm. That you said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm hurting here and I, I think other people are going through this and I need to help them, right? Yeah. Because I think all of us, of course, and we all experience loss, right? But then we experience loss and then we we move on, right? We go on, we go on to the next loss or whatever you, you want to say. But there takes a special person, I think, that will stop and then help others through their grief, right? So mm-hmm. what was that for you? What were you missing? Or was there was there something missing? Maybe I should pose the question that way. Was there something that you saw or something that caused you to say, mm-hmm. hold on a second, I need to yeah. I need to help in this area? Yeah. Well d- there definitely was. And for us, about I think it's almost been nine years now, my husband's best friend passed away and we were all involved in the same church community. Um, they'd all known each other since they were about 18 and I came along a few years later. And he died pretty quickly. I think it was about eight months of just fighting cancer. And mm-hmm. his widow and their two little kids were loved unendingly in the church for about a month or two after he passed. And then support waned. And then the phone call stopped and she would reach out to me or I would reach out to her. And over the years, consistently would hear, you're the only one who still talks to me. And it wasn't a matter of people not caring because we share the same friend circle and I know who they are. But Mm -hmm. I witnessed what happens in the life of a griever when Mm -hmm. people think, oh, you're still grieving, which as someone who is pretty confrontational to maybe not even confrontational, but just willing to push back on comments like that. I was so determined to create a better narrative for people like her who were struggling to be seen and heard and appreciated and to be understood that grief lasts a lifetime. And I experienced something very similar. When my mom died, my friends loved me, but they didn't know what to do with me after a couple of weeks of support and calls or months later, a number of people were really, really intentional about connecting Mm -hmm. with me. But in the interim, all of these people that I didn't really have deep relationship with or connection with felt, I think, almost obligated to show up or to express sympathy, which, to be honest, isn't super helpful. And I think people who have gone through active grief and received hundreds of platitudes and sympathy cards that stack up, you just get to a point where they lose their meaning because they feel like a perfunctory act. And so Mm -hmm. my work became this opportunity to retrain, especially the church, uh, how to do a more intentional grief program, I guess, but really how to equip every individual with the ability to shut their mouths and understand what they're listening for when they say they want to be a grief supporter instead mm-hmm. of, you know, doing what they think was effective for them by asking that, questions. That's deep. And that is things. deep, woman. That is deep. I love that. You know, it's funny because a, a friend of mine had um, had lost um, 
their father and everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, what, what should we do? What should we do? And I'm like, well, a lot of people are going to do a lot of things right now. What yeah. we should think about is what are we going to do two months from now? What are we mm-hmm. going to do three months from now? Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's because it is a, a common situation for people to feel that pain. Like, you know, all of us lose someone really special mm-hmm. to us. And so we don't know how to deal with that. Right. Right. Because everybody deals with grief so differently. Right. Some people can really get through the stages pretty quickly and move on, if you will. And then there's people who don't. Right. Right. And so, Mandy, how do you how do you then find that place? Or maybe maybe you don't. But how do you deal with someone who's. Okay, let me let me let me rephrase. How do you actually advise people when they are are have a family member or somebody that they love that is grieving um many many years like they can't seem to get through it, right? Because I think that's the really hard part. You want to be empathetic and you want to be sympathetic and at the same time you want them to live, right? Sure. So how do you deal with something like that? Cuz that's a that's a I think that's something I've noticed a lot in it's common circles. Yeah. It's very common because I think, again, people don't really know how to deal with grief really. Right. And the church hasn't done a very good job. I think they try to, I really do think they try because it is about love and they really do try to, you know, get you the food when you're, you know, because you don't want you to cook and they try to be there for you. You try to make phone calls and and stuff yeah. like that. But at some point they do windle off and you're still left alone holding this grief. Right. right? So yeah. how do we help people through that when it, you know, when it's a long term thing, like it's been yeah. a long time? The long haul. The first thing I do with anybody is tell them break up with the five stages, get that out of your head because grief is cyclical. It's not linear. Yeah. And those five stages are, you know, denial. Um, oh, I've gotten them out of my head. And so all of a sudden I'm blinking denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And the truth is those were developed in response to witnessing terminally ill patients come to terms with their own life coming mm. to an end. It doesn't mm. serve the rest of us because we can experience all five of those stages in a, in a five minute period. Yeah. Not to mention, I don't know a griever who doesn't come back to anger every time someone tells me, Oh, I'm not really angry. I'm like, you are, but it manifests differently and that's okay. We'll get to that at some point. Um, removing what we believe to be true about grief and what we have experienced in our story is how we show up on behalf of other people Mm. because the platitudes, the comments that we make, the advice that we give, the books that we recommend, the teachers, all of the resources that we offer are things that we either have not actually interacted with and just think look effective, or we have experienced freedom from them in our story. And so we assume that they will help other people, which is not true. My book, for example, is part memoir, part guidebook. And I'm very specific when someone asks me, would this be good for so-and-so? I ask a lot of questions and half of the time I say, no, that book would not be effective for them. It would actually cause more harm. Don't you dare. Mm-hmm. Or, or say, I know the person who wrote this, if you're interested in asking them some questions and I'm happy to do that. But as grief supporters, we have this unintentional behavior that centers us in the narrative on someone else's story. So we show up and we find out that someone that we love has passed away and their spouse is standing in front of us. We are overcome, understandably so. And whether or not we decide to, you know, grieve actively right then and there or simply say, oh my gosh, 
what can I say to you, this person to no longer feel uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable to be faced yeah. with loss. And yeah. in that moment, we have the choice to center on our own and focus on our own discomfort and say the comforting thing, or we can be quiet. I got a text message today from a dear friend. She had a third miscarriage. My response was not, girl, I see you. I'm so sorry. God works all things out for his good. It's going to be great. This baby is with Jesus, whatever. I said nothing but damn. Okay. What do you mm -hmm. need? And, or I'm going to check in with you in two days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And can I bring you dinner tonight? Mm -hmm. Because it has nothing to do with what I know to be grief. It has nothing to do with the fact that I've experienced miscarriages as well. No. Every one of our grief stories is as different as our DNA. And the second we can acknowledge that I don't carry the wisdom to make this any better, we enter into a place where our humility is what leads us into service instead mm -hmm. of an obligation or a feeling that we have to do something because we don't want them to be hurting. They don't want to be hurting either. But the truth is we all grieve, whether we do it with attention to the grief process or by coping mechanisms and kind of stuffing it away. And then we get 20 years down the road and realize, oh, that's still an issue because I never fully integrated that understanding into my life. I didn't mm -hmm. make this something that I can live with in a way that is meaningful. I just made it something that I can live with. Mm -hmm. Damn. Pretend it didn't happen. So grief, you know, yeah. grief supporters want to do so much good. And I typically like to say, hey, stop trying to do good for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And do something still. Mm. Like, so... That's really, uh, first off, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your friend because that, that is, that is a heavy thing to carry. That, that is, that's heavy. That hurts, you know? Um, and I, I wouldn't know what to say either. Right. And I think most of us are in that position. Right. And yep. I always, um, or at least as I've matured, as I've gotten older, I stopped saying the things like, oh, everything happens for a reason and your right. job is with God. And I've, I've, I've stopped that because, Good job. <laughs> yeah, I thought that because I realized it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Right. Um, and when I'm grieving, I just want to tell you to shut the F up. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm just being real, but like, you know, I've had yeah. loss too. And I'm just like, just shut up. You know, right. you know, it's not what you want to hear at the moment. And maybe right. you do believe that even if you do, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, I, I do believe that. But even though I do believe that even through my grief, I didn't want to hear it, you right. know? So yeah. yeah, that was a good I response you gave her. What, how did she oh. feel about that? How did, how do you oh, think she responded with a heart that? emoji? You know, yeah. she knows me really well. It was the same thing with another friend today on Twitter said something like I'm sad and miserable and I know this person well enough to say, I'm going to make you laugh, but this is why. Not for the sake of, oh, cheer up, Charlie. But I said, dear griever, or dear friends, this is how we respond. I love you. I'm with you. And if you want to unpack it with me and don't have someone else to unpack it with, I'm available. Let me know. Versus, oh my gosh, you're not happy and, or sad and miserable. You're happy and full of life. You are joyful. You need to express yourself. And so many people replied and said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I was like, I just didn't see any of that crap yet. And so I wanted to undercut it before it even started. I don't want anyone platituding or shooting on my friend when they're down. And I think that that's mm -hmm. to your point where, you know, you can believe that and hold that as a truth and still remain in a position of grief because it's an experience and an emotion and, and yeah. we can have two things at the same time to be true. Mm -hmm. But 
in those moments, we say, go F yourself because we are allowed to experience the full range of yeah. emotions of our humanity. It's actually really necessary. Yeah, it is. And when we continue not to do so and pretend that we're, oh, we're fine or no, we're just getting through it or, you know, life is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. You hear those things and you cringe because you're like, but I want that to be tangibly real. And in this moment, it's just surface real. In yeah. this moment, I don't know how to respond to everything happens for a reason other than, yeah, they died of cancer. There was cancer in their body and that was the reason right, that right, it right. happened. Right. 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 You're trying to assign a grander meaning to something for someone who might not accept it or believe the same way that you do. And so right. finding right. ways to be quieter, it's pretty oh, that, valuable. That yeah, it's so valuable, right? And and really deep and what your your work that you're doing is going to help a lot of people because a lot of us like I said, um I think I I speak I think I speak for the majority of people that it is an uncomfortable thing and it is very scary because you love this person that's grieving if you're if your friends or mm -hmm. love this person and you don't want them to be in pain. So you think that you're cutting it by saying something like that. But Mandy, mm -hmm. is there is there a moment where it may become unhealthy for that person to have grieved for so long? Is is there a moment that becomes like when you're like, now I am concerned? Is there I think framing it as looking at what is helpful and what is harmful is a very meaningful way to approach it because let's let's say that our friend has been drinking more often than we are yeah. used to seeing and we're concerned and we don't want to rock the boat because we know that that is already a sensitive thing and they're already in pain. You have certain people in your life that are allowed to call you on your stuff. Mm -hmm. If I'm not that person to you, I'm probably not in a good position and right. probably shouldn't insert myself because it'll exacerbate and break relationship. But if I have connection to people that I know are that person's center person, it's really easy for me to go to them and say, hey, how are you doing? Who are your like core people? And kind of play investigative journalist for a minute and really get to know where they're at. Because the truth is coping behaviors and the things that the people are doing or these long-term what appear to be, you know, grieving and detachment stuff, that's all mental health professional standard work, right? That's not the layperson, mm -hmm. but we're the ones that see it. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we remind them they're not alone, those masks, those behaviors, the things that we're really concerned about are symptomatic of something mm -hmm. bigger. And mm -hmm. helping and loving someone very patiently through that process doesn't mean fixing them. It doesn't mean correcting it. I mean, we would love if someone could so snap their fingers and fix it, but mm -hmm. our role isn't to do that. Our role is to say, we love you and we're here. What are you, are, do you trust me? And if so, what are you struggling with? I would love to come alongside you not to fix it, but to offer resources or to ask questions. You know, I like to tell people you need friends in your life because if the back of your hair is a mess, you can't see it without a mirror right. or a really good friend who will tell you, girl, you got to deal with something back there. It's mm -hmm. the same thing with our lives. We don't realize what we're experiencing until someone else reflects it back to us. And then all of a sudden the little synapses connect and we've built this beautiful bridge of understanding and now we get to move forward with that new information or not. We could choose to say like, cool, I see what you're saying. I don't care. Right. You know, right. Yeah. There's 
anyway, I could go on for that, but <laughs> no, I mean that's that's really good because uh, I mean you just said such so many powerful things, and you know I'm starting to like think about like how at Parker our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. How does this uh, work for you, Mandy? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that I have a beautiful audience of people that love to like follow people that they listen to on my show and they're really interactive. And I I love, I love you guys. You guys are amazing audience. how do you do this then, Mandy? How is this work done? Like, how how do you go through helping navigate someone yeah. through this when they contact yeah. you? It's a good question. So I work, my, my one-on-one coaching practice is full right now. So primarily I'm working in the Restorative Grief Project, which is okay. an online private free coaching group that you mentioned earlier. And the beautiful thing about that is it's a very low-key safe place where there are zero expectations of anyone doing any of the work. Mm. But the idea is, hey, here's a safe place, a community where you can just come and observe people doing grief work. You can come be a fly on the wall if you need to. But at the same time, there are so many different guides and teachings built into the group that you can walk yourself through, that you can at any given point, stop on something that's been, that I've developed and then ask questions or re-engage the group in this conversation. And it's this collective healing piece that has been so transformative for people because the reality is we believe we have community until we start grieving. And then we look around and say, are you kidding me? I thought I had people, but I don't know how. And it sucks because that happens after the fact when I wish, and I'm trying to teach people how to create that level of community, that tight little circle of people around them before there's crisis. Yeah. But that, that alone is hard to do. So I'm, you know, I'm an extrovert and I'm very much like, I joke that all my friends are introverts that I've snatched up in public and said, hello, I see you and you're mine now. Right. I collect them. Um, (laughs) So I get that it's not an easy thing to do for everybody. However, there's so much value in getting outside of our comfort zones in that respect, because grief will not respect your comfort zones. Grief will say you're now in misalignment in every part of your aspect or every part of your yourself. So in the group itself, all of the work that I'm doing is based on this whole self model of grieving, knowing that we are 
whole individuals, mind, heart, body, and spirit. And in grief, we go into misalignment in all those areas. And our role to find healing looks like looking at our, observing our lives in a way that we identify where, what has turned us out of alignment with our values and what we want and who we believe we are and where we're headed. And then finding practices that bring us back into alignment. So if we notice like, hey, my thoughts are super intense, they're really scaring me or they're really negative all the time or gosh, my emotions are just a roller coaster. I don't know what to do or my body is having aches I've never had before, migraines, tummy issues, or even my spirit is completely numb and disconnected from everyone around me and I have zero interest in connecting with any spiritual practices that I experienced before. Mm All three, all four of those can happen at the same time. So advising people to look at themselves with a new lens, whether that's through someone else that they trust or simply by sitting down and being very vulnerable and honest with ourselves about what hurts the most, because you can't focus on all four at once, but identifying which, which one is the most pressing for you. Would you like to be rid of those intrusive thoughts? Would you Mm -hmm. rather get your emotional state to one that feels more even keel? What is it that we can support you through? And then helping people identify what it is that hurts, how it is out of alignment with their values and what actions or techniques they are comfortable with or they're interested in taking that they can commit to for themselves to move forward. Because the Mm -hmm. truth is every time we commit to an action, we will experience even iota of healing each time that we do it. And so as we practice, we take stock on the front end. Oh, I feel, you know, crappy, 10 out of 10 crappy. And then we get to the end of whatever practice we've established for ourselves. And we say, okay, I feel nine out of 10 crappy. That's healing. Even though I still feel nine out of 10, it's better than I was. And so where we celebrate, we go back to. So the more that we practice those little tiny steps, it's like baby steps from what about Bob, right? (laughs) I'm doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. It's those little wins that you need, right? In your emotions and in your mind. I I totally get that. Um, So I have a couple questions. So one is, do you think that, because you said uh, that grieving is cyclical. Yeah. So do you think that you can be healed from grieving? Can you be healed? Personally, I don't believe in closure. I think we are constantly being re-triggered and reminded of our pain and our losses. Mm. I do think there is healing available. I do think the more that we learn how to understand our stories and integrate what has occurred in our lives into the richness of who we are, we become fully and more, more human. Yeah. Fully alive and learning how to lean more into the values and things that are important to us. I do, I mean, there are plenty of people who believe they've been healed from their grief and that's beautiful. I, I'm not going to question their existence in my experience and in the clients I've worked with, not one of them has ever said, oh, cool. I'm healed. I'm done. I no longer feel any sense of loss on that person. And the people that I have found, this is going to sound, I'm going to say it anyway, Nina. Say it. I'm going to say it anyway. The people who tell me that they are completely healed are the ones that are also feeding the platitudes to everyone around them, which is the big red flag to me that says, you're not healed, you're masking. And it's getting you through. But are you living fully alive? Are you in alignment in all of yourself? Are you living into your values? Are you in your integrity? When you say, I genuinely believe this, I'm like, your certainty has, ooh, girl, it it is thick. Is it actually serving you well? And is it showing up for you on behalf of everyone around you. Because if I walk into a room and I have caused harm because of my certainty about grief work, 
the first thing I'm going to do is say, please tell me so that I can shift what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're certainty, if you walk into a room and you've helped all these people through grief and they can all say unequivocally, yep, everything she says is true and is helpful. Okay. <laughs> but somebody's lying to you. Like, right, right, right. I was going to say, who's selling that bridge, Mandy? Who's selling yeah. that bridge? It's just not. I'm I haven't glad seen you it. said that. I'm so glad you said that though, because I don't want anybody who is listening to us right now to think that they do have to be healed. And that that yeah. happens, right? You get like this misconception that you don't want to tell people that you're still hurting because you right. should have been healed by now. And you yeah. don't want to tell a person that, oh, I lost my my child, but I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Uh it's right. okay. And it's okay not to be good. So that's why I'm glad you said that yeah. because I think there is a huge misconception that you are supposed to be healed. And I'm so glad you answered it that way because (laughs) you're not going to be healed. And that is, and it's okay. I mean, you're just going to have really good days and really not so good days, you know? Um, And I I think that's beautiful. And I did want to ask you about, um, you know, when it comes to grieving, do you deal with grieving all on, on a, on a level that is, grieving or is there levels of grieving like and what i mean by that is i lost a child i lost Mm -hmm. a job Mm -hmm. right right you can grieve both you really can right Mm -hmm. you you can grieve grieve them both so do you think that there are different ways of dealing with the grief according to what the grief is or why it's there so short answer is no I, what you're talking about is disenfranchised grief. And so there are grief professionals in the world who will say that absolutely there's a hierarchy of pain and loss. Mm. That is where you hear people justify minimizing their own loss by saying, well, I'm really sad about losing my job, but there's a war in the Ukraine. So I guess I should buckle up, mm-hmm. buttercup, because my life isn't so bad. It could be worse. Those are all minimizing statements that steal your ability to remain present with yourself. And so anytime I hear someone say, oh, I lost a job, I broke up with them, I was expecting this thing and it didn't happen, I lost a child, it does not matter to me where your loss came from if it is affecting your ability to fully be a human and participate in your life, then your loss is valid. And, And that's one thing that as a grief supporter, you can be, I try to empower people to push back when they hear that language, not in a, Hey, screw you. You can grieve. And that's what you need to be doing. (laughs) Hey, do you know that your loss is just as valid as the refugees who've just immigrated to the country or as the mom who just miscarried Yeah, because your pain is real and there's no one on earth who has my respect, who says otherwise. Who says that, well, actually losing a spouse is, is the worst pain to you. To who? And right. I, right. Yeah. To who? Right. To right. Whom? To some it, people losing yeah. a spouse would be a godsend, right? right? That would be a healing moment for them to be removed. <laughs> and so, well, that got dark quickly. Sorry. Mandy, <laughs> <laughs> you are a trip, but very true, right? And I was yeah. thinking about a, a really dear, close friend of mine whose daughter um, is alive, uh, but she she lost the ability to swallow. She can't eat like that anymore, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is grieving as well. He, they are grieving this child having yep. that full life that they wish. You know, like every every parent for the yeah, yeah yeah independent yeah mobility yeah. right the experience of going overseas and enjoying a meal you've never had 
right. seeing a recipe that all you want to do is eat that, but you can't chew it and swallow it. Yeah, right. there's there are secondary losses. that, And this is, I think, where a lot of the grief comparison comes from. We don't recognize the significance of secondary losses when something happens. So let's say I've broken up with a boyfriend and it was my decision. I'm going to hear from people like, oh, well, but you chose this and it's for the better, or mm -hmm. this is a better, you know, this is, you're going to be fine. And that's true. Those things are true. Like I chose it and yeah, I'm going to hopefully get over this person and heal from what happened and understand why we broke up. But then I realized, oh, right. But we shared all of those friends and the friends are being weird and dividing. Okay. I've lost those relationships. Yeah. Oh, but we also both really love that restaurant and I don't think I can go there again without him. And you know, we had this dream of going to Italy and holy crap, if I go, I'm going to think of him. Okay. This sounds dramatic, but this is true. Like this is how people think. Yeah. And we minimize those thoughts as yeah. if they're not okay. But if we were willing to say, well, what does that look like? What would it look like to integrate this dream of going to Italy, of eating at that restaurant again? How do I bring what I was going after in those dreams into alignment with what I actually want in my life. Well, if I want to travel, I don't have to write an entire country off because my ex mm -hmm. was from there mm -hmm. or because they wanted to go there too. Not going to run into them. Plenty of people go to other countries and it's not affecting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, it's not that you need to have rational thoughts about how to work through grief because it's not possible. If it was irrational in the first place, rational rationality is probably not going to pull you out of it. Right. However, becoming aware of what has pushed you out of alignment in those areas and what is causing you to no longer feel comfortable in your own skin with those like decisions is how we can recognize all those secondary losses and dial it back in and with some compassion and curiosity for ourselves. Like, oh, that was a secondary loss. I didn't realize I had my hope in that too. But now that I've seen it, I'm not going to carry it for 30 years and suddenly be triggered when my now husband takes me to Italy and right. we say, oh, I was 30 years ago, I dumped a boyfriend and I thought I'd never come to Italy because of that. Right. You know, like it yeah. seems so silly, but yeah. it's real. Yeah, it's real. I love, I love you, your energy. I love <laughs> what you're saying. Like you're a straight talker like me and I really, really love that, but you're doing it with such compassion, Mandy, but you're doing it mm. also in, in a way that, um, you're showing people, you know what, I'm going to be straight talk when I talk to you, but I want, it's because I want you to learn. I want you to grow and I want you to right. be able to be there for the people that you love for real, like really be there and not right. dismissive. Right. Because yeah. we don't try to be dismissive. It's not a, a, I don't, I really don't believe people purposely try to dismiss people. I think right. it's that uncomfortableness, right. Not knowing what to do. How do we do this? So what you're doing is really important. And so what I wanted to ask you before I let you go, the, the, the grief, um, what did you call it? Restorative grief, restorative grief project project. So that project, can it be for both, um, secondary loss and, your primary loss, do you think? Oh yeah, it's for oh, all yeah. of it. So it's full right. of grief and grief supporters. Right. And we, we anytime something comes up, I get a hundred ideas about how can I present that in a way that's accessible to everyone I know. I have really big ideas about like, oh, I could reach the entire world and this would be great. So the truth is I can't, I have right. to equip the people who can reach the people. And so that's yeah. what the group is yeah. for. Awesome. So I want you to share all of that information because I know people yeah. who listen to my podcast <laughs> yeah, that, have, sure. that are definitely, you know, going through 
going through this stuff right like right now right and i also want to send them to your place because there's a couple of people already have in mind that i think could really benefit from that even me like even just going on there and learning you know so Give us that information on how people can, I said, I know you said your one-on-one coaching is, is booked right now, but give us the information of how people can follow you, see what you're putting out there, uh, be part of the group, all of that great stuff, please. Yeah. So the restorative grief project is free on Facebook. It's a private group, um, that eventually will hopefully move off of Facebook, but right now it's there because they, they do groups really well. Yeah. The book itself, the restorative grief or the book restorative grief is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I'm on all the socials under at Mandy K part. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. Um, I write a biweekly column called ask a grief coach on medium.com. And I host two podcasts. The uncomfortable (laughs) grace podcast is more of a uh, faith based, have difficult conversations like this with people who are experts in their field or in whatever topic is coming up um, for them, which is really fun. And then my weekly podcast. What is that one called? The Uncomfortable Grace podcast. I got to get that. Okay. Yeah. I I love it. The guests this season are blowing my mind and I'm just like, I am not worthy. I am not. Okay. Um, (laughs) And then the Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart podcast is weekly. It has interviews, but it also just has short little snippets Um, because when you're grieving, it's really hard to take in information. It's hard to read. It's hard to listen. It's hard to focus beyond a minute at a time. And so they're very short interview or the interviews are longer, but the teachings are short. Um, as are the chapters in the book, they're like a page and a half so that you can digest something and really sit with it and feel capable of reconnecting to something without feeling like, cool, here's 32 grief books I've been given. Right. And I have no desire to read any of them. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh, Nina, you got so much to learn. <laughs> I've done so many of these things. And as I'm growing, I'm growing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as you're growing and I'm, I'm stretching and learning, I'm becoming more empathetic and more compassionate and more, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big extrovert as well. So I love to connect to people. And so sometimes you feel, like you need to be there in that way. And and sometimes right. I do the same thing, Mandy. I'll just go, damn, that freaking yep. sucks. Right. You know? And that person's like, yes, that sucks. You know? It and I think that's all they needed. More than anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But thank to be witnesses. you. You are amazing. I love mm-hmm. you. You're thank amazing. You. I love the work that you're doing, Mandy. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. It's not ever what I thought I would get into, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. And you're doing it well. You're doing it well. So thank, thank you for being on Straight Talk. I appreciate you. Welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I know that you love this conversation. I know we could have probably talked for an hour, but we're going to keep it cool. We're going to keep it cool. So make sure that you guys follow Mandy. I am going to put all of her information below uh, and um, her book information and all of that. I really want you to get into the uh, project as well. I'll make sure to link that uh, um, below as well. All her show notes will be there. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You are the best. Okay. I have the best podcasting community ever. I really do. And I appreciate you guys being on here. Make sure you go on to winject.com slash register WI. I-N-J-E-C-T 
Facebook.com slash register and register for my free community because I want to be really um, connected with you and I want us to brainstorm and be with each other and connect in a deeper way. If you are looking for coaching, please make sure that you also email me at hello at straighttalknosugaredit.com. I work with women and I help them develop that business that they are envisioning in their hearts so that they can win. Thank you guys so much for being here. Love you, love you, love you. This is Dina Perez, Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Until next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.